The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Thank you. Good morning. It's a blessing to uh, be back, back in Oklahoma. I don't know if you've, how many of you have never been to Oklahoma? Oh, bless your heart. I'm sorry about that. But anyway, uh, generally, generally we have a winter time. We have a little snow. I think we average about eight, ten inches of snow a year, something like that, or maybe six. I think it's six. And uh, so generally we get cold, and but it's never sustained. Just a few day, day or two, and then it gets a decent temperature. Uh, we had uh, 14 or 15 straight days where it never reached freezing, which back never reached, got up as high as freezing. And that's really cold back home. Friday morning when I went to teach the class at the Bible College, six degrees, and it had been two days before that, 13 below. So that's really, I mean, this is, this global warming is just really a mess, you know, I mean, it's <laughs> eating things up here. So anyway, and then this morning I looked, and at home at 7 o'clock there this morning, it was, seven, uh, it was uh, 43 degrees. So it's changing rapidly there. And if that happened this week here, I'd be fine with me, I'll tell you for sure. All right, I want you to turn with me this morning to the 113th Psalm. Now, I'm going to confess something here while you're turning to the 113th Psalm, that a couple of years ago, this, it, just in my Bible reading, the 113th Psalm got a hold of me in my own heart and uh, hasn't let me go since. And... Um, I just started just because I kept meditating on it, and I got in a situation or two along the way where I just used the 113th Psalm for a lesson or a devotion or something like that, and uh, never even made any notes on it or anything. It's just a, a passage that's just really eating me up. And I generally keep very good records of what I preach, where, and such as that, but I didn't write it down. So I was here a year and a half ago August of 2019, I don't think I used this passage back then. I don't think. But if I did, here we go. Uh, one of the greatest forms of self-flattery for a preacher is to think people would actually remember what he said, you know, <laughs> or something that he preached. So anyway, we're going to go to the 113th Psalm, a mighty, powerful, wonderful psalm. It's become one of my very favorites. We're not going to read through the psalm. We're just going to kind of work our way through it <coughs> this morning. And I invite you to the first four words of the psalm. Praise ye the Lord. Look at the last four words of the psalm. Praise ye the Lord. Now, you're Bible readers. Many of you are, I'm sure. And I'm a reader of the Bible. I don't just study for sermons. I read the Bible through about five times a year and so I'm, I spend a full hour every day uh, just doing my Bible reading, not looking for a sermon, not looking for something to say to you or to the people that I preach to, but just to read the Word of God. And so I know the Psalms, been through the Psalms uh, many, many, many times and go through the Psalms. You know that many of the Psalms have to do with the fact that the Lord ought to be praised, praising the Lord. And uh, about His mercy, I love that psalm where it says, His mercy endureth forever. And it goes on and says thus and thus about how God has dealt with Israel and His mercy endureth forever. And I am a sinner saved by grace that's thankful for the mercy of God every day. Every day. I know that 
I'm amongst people that agree and believe the same thing. So we know that in many of the Psalms, they begin, for example, I just glanced back at Psalm 112. How does it begin? Praise ye the Lord. So we understand that uh, many of the Psalms have to do with the fact that the Lord ought to be praised. Now let me just give you a word of reminding, uh, reminder of this matter of praising the Lord because there is an element out here that flies under the big umbrella of what's called Christianity that thinks that recently, in recent years, they've discovered praise. And so the hymns don't work anymore. It's got to be praise music, you know. And I remember knocking the door and a lady saying to me, oh, yes, Southwest Baptist, that's, you're the uh, songbook church. Yeah, you use songbooks. Kind of had this smile like you poor backward people using songbooks. And I said, well, yes, is that wrong or what? And she said, well, no, you just don't do praise music. I said, I beg your pardon. And so I sung her a line of praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed redeemer. If that's not praise music, I wonder what is. How great thou art. Come on, we can go through a whole plethora of songs here that have to do with the fact that we do believe by song that we praise the Lord. Well, the word praise, right quick, it has to do with acknowledging, it has to do with gratitude and thankfulness and all of that. It's, it has a broad definition, but it also has to do with pointing out the favorable characteristics of another. Now, sometimes you hear people say, we only praise the Lord, we do not praise man. Well, actually we do. I praise my wife. I have Proverbs 31 to justify me praising my wife, if she's a Proverbs 31 wife, and she is. And so her children shall praise her, and her husband shall rise up and praise her. And so we do praise people. We have to say, well, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean we worship them. There's a difference in the two. And, uh, but it does mean that we point out the favorable characteristics of another. And so we do praise the Lord, and we do praise people, but we don't praise the Lord like we praise people, or we don't praise people like we praise the Lord. Because when I talk about my wife, I, I'm not going to point out any of them here, but she does have some qualities also that might uh, annoy her husband once in a while. And uh, she has to be forgiven of her sin just like everybody else does, just like I do, just like you do. So she has many favorable characteristics for which I am thankful. I gave her a Valentine's, a homemade Valentine's card the other day. I'm not much into the Valentine's thing, but I got her some flowers, and I, and I made my own card. And you know what my card was? I put a little dot right here and a big circle right here, and I gave it to her, and I said, that's my card. Well, she wasn't impressed. I didn't write on it or anything. It was just, that's all it was, a dot and a big circle. She said, what's this about? I said, um, well, the dot is the things about you that drive me crazy. Now, some of you are saying, don't be honest and talk about, no, there's a few things that just I'm thinking, well, and part of it is I'm a man. And no matter how many people call women guys, she ain't a man. Pardon the grammar, but she's not a man. And there's a difference between men and women. I mean, even a lot of psychologists have recently discovered that there's a difference between males and females. <laughs> and so I said, these are the things about you that drive me crazy. These are the things about you that I love dearly. And so she was moved by that, see. 
And so she has, does she ever have any faults? Well, of course, she's a human being. She's a daughter of Eve, for crying out loud. And, uh, but here are the things I love about her. But when we talk about God, He has no unfavorable characteristics. Somebody say amen to that. There are no unfavorable things to talk about. There are no issues with God. There are no problems with God. He is God. And so the way we praise man, the way we praise God is not exactly the same. And so if you look on, he says in verse number one, Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Now you don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand this psalm is going to have something to do about the fact that the Lord ought to be praised. And that's exactly what it's about. But look in verse number two where he said, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Watch this, verse three. From the rising of the sun and to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. So here's what he says in verse number two and three about the matter of praising the Lord. That the Lord ought to be praised, he said, from this time forth and forevermore. Now, do we need reminded that we don't have any idea what the future is going to hold? Do we? We've just been reminded of that. We are being reminded of that. And uh, I, I'm not going to go into the big COVID thing and everything. In fact, I almost refuse to say the word. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about it and all of that. But probably you are too. But I'm just saying, we, who would have ever dreamed as we began the year of 2020 that we would experience what we experienced in 2020 besides the pandemic and because there was the exploitation of the pandemic, things that have happened in our, in our nation and in our country, what has happened in the United States of America in the, in the year of 2020, I thought my kids and grandkids would see. I didn't really think I'd see. Some of the things that are happening right now before our very eyes, I thought, well, you could see it coming, but I thought I ought to be checked out of here by the time you'd see it get as far as it is right now and as it's going. And so we understand that we do not know what tomorrow holds, let alone another year. We do not know. But here's one thing that is certain, that no matter what you face in your personal life, no matter what we face as a church, when you talk about the life of your, this congregation right here, no matter what might happen here, no matter what might happen to our country, our nation in the coming year, nothing is going to happen that will change this. The Lord ought to be praised from this time forth and forevermore. Uh, we could say also on the authority of the Bible that there never has been a time he wasn't worthy of praise. He is worthy of praise and he shall always be worthy of praise. And then he reduces it down to a little more specific time when he says in verse number three, watch this, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord ought to be praised. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, what better way to start a day than to praise the Lord? That really went over big, didn't it? Now come on, what better way to start a day than to praise the Lord? I mean, just to wake up to another day, if we're people of the Bible, we have a walk with God, then we shouldn't go very long in the day till we are realizing that the Lord is good to us and that He ought to be praised and that He ought to be thanked. Praise the Lord. So He said, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, no matter what happens or transpires during that day. Um, this past year, in our own family, uh, one of our uh, 
one very dear to us, uh, went through, is still going through, a real situation, a real trial. And I'll just never forget, I came home from a meeting in the month of uh, March from, uh, from New Jersey. No, where I, it doesn't matter to you where I came from, but anyway, I got home, and when I got home, I got a phone call, need to talk to you, came by the house, and uh, everything, everything was just kind of felt turned upside down and just incredible, the kind of circumstance that was being faced. And I came home from being away from my wife and, and being away excited about being home, teaching my class the next day, and I just had all kinds of things. I was just happy as I could be and, and enjoying coming back from a great meeting. I remember now it was in the state of Maryland, had a wonderful tent revival. It wasn't March. It was in the month of, of uh, it was in the month of June, a tent revival. And so it was like, yeah, I got home on June the 25th. I remember the exact day now. And I get home, and I'm just going through this wonderful time. Had a great meeting there. Uh, the church had just started to assemble again because of the pandemic and all of that. And just a wonderful time. Going to share it with my wife, and I wasn't home two hours till I got hit with something that just, whoa, set me back. We don't know. One phone call can change everything. Isn't that right? But nothing will change this. That from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. He is praiseworthy at all times. Now, I know what I'm doing right now. I'm preaching to the choir. Like you're sitting there perhaps, and maybe nobody is. Let me look around and see. Yeah, it might be two or three that might be doing that. Yeah, like we came to Sunday school to learn that the Lord ought to be praised. We know that. But then there might be somebody that is not so familiar with that. I mean, we're doing this. I'm assuming live stream is going on. So there might be somebody tuned in or listening, and they might hear us talk about or say amen to the fact that the Lord ought to be praised from this time forth, forevermore, rising the sun to the going down to the same. The name of the Lord ought to be praised. And there'd be someone that might ask the question, okay, I see that that is so, but why is that so? What is it about God or what is it about the Lord that makes him so praiseworthy so that from this time forth and forevermore we ought to be praising every single day, rising of the sun to the going down of the same. I started a practice about, oh, sometime during the past year that every night I, when I get in bed, my wife is a late night person, I'm a morning person, she's definitely not, she smiles for the first time about 10.30, 11 o'clock. And so she's not, uh, don't tell her I said that, but anyway, she's just not a morning person. So I usually go to bed before she does, and I get in the bed, and I start doing this thing. I lay in bed. Before I go to sleep, I'm going to sing a song to the Lord. Now, I'm not going to put her through it. She's not there. And so I'm going to sing a song to the Lord. And so I listen to a lot of music, and I've known hymns for years and years, and just whatever comes to my mind it expresses gratitude. I just lay in bed and sing to the Lord, and I turn over and go to sleep. And so, what better way to end a day than to give praise to the Lord by songs and hymns and spiritual songs that actually show honor and praise and glory to His wonderful name? So, do that. Somebody said, why, what about the Lord demands that? Or why is it that the Lord ought to be praised? All right, now look down in verse number 4. In verse number four, he says, the Lord is high. Now we're starting to get somewhere here on why 
it is the Lord ought to be praised. As the psalmist begins to call attention, now don't go ahead and read ahead. Stay with me here just a second. We're going to read it together. But he says, the Lord is high. He begins to call attention, please listen to this, to the high and lofty nature of God. Um, you know, uh, I was born in the year 1945. Um, and uh, I started in the ministry in the year 1967, my wife and I. We've been married uh, 55 years this May. And this summer will be 54 years of full-time ministry that we've had together. And I'm not an expert on this, but I'm talking to people, some people in this room that are of my generation, maybe that knew the Lord back then, were sensitive to where our country was back then. And I can just tell you right now that I'm not ministering or pastor or preaching in the same United States of America in 2021 as I was in 1967. It's not the same. Now, it's not like the 60s were years of great revival in America, although there was significant church planning done, missions work done, soul winning being done. Still, it was a tumultuous time for our country. As a matter of fact, a lot of the things that we're living with now had their origin back in the sexual and social revolution of the 1960s. And so, but I can tell you this, that in that day and time, you could go knocking on doors and there were people that had some kind of awareness of the fact that God is and some reverence uh, for God. And I can tell you right now that just going door to door and knocking on doors and talking to people and confronting people, there were people that had some awareness of the Bible. In other words, you could talk to them about the story of Jonah or the Red Sea or something like that, and they actually were familiar with it. And now uh, we come to a time in our own society and our own culture and all the research and all the uh, uh, like Pew research and Barna research and all of these that kind of take the measure of the spiritual matters of the United States of America and our, our culture and our society, they'll show you the statistics that from the, let's say back in 67, since I called that out to this particular day, that if the people that believed in God and had respect for the Bible, if it was here then, it's about here right now. And it's not going up, it's going down. And the thoughts that people have of God, I would say in our culture, in our society, are at an all-time low, maybe worldwide, but for sure in our culture, in our society. And what is so sad is that many pulpits in America are accommodating that by preaching, I just read it this week in the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians rather, where Paul said, that's another Christ. Yeah, they're not preaching the Christ, they're preaching another Christ. And when people don't speak of God, listen to this please, when people don't speak of God in terms of what God has revealed about himself, then they are not speaking of the God who revealed himself. Say, I get fired up about this. The, the low view of God, and the low view of God that comes from a lot of the preaching of our day and our time, that's accommodating the drift of the culture rather than confronting the culture. Prophet preaching, Bible preaching, scriptural, biblical preaching is to confront every culture, no matter where it is, or who it is, or what has changed. 
Because we know one thing. One of the great attributes of God is His immutability. That means He never changes. I am the Lord. I change not. Now, you can figure out what that means without Greek and Hebrew and everything else. You don't have to have a bunch of degrees behind your name. Just read it. I am the Lord. I change not. Well, we live in changing times. He does not change. I know that sounds like a cliche, but it is absolutely so. And the name of the Lord ought to be praised because of His high and lofty nature. The Lord is high above... Now watch this. The Lord is high above all nations. The Lord is high above all nations. God willing, tonight I'm going to preach out of the book of the Revelation in chapter number 11. And we'll talk a little bit more about the nations. But let me just say while he's here, nations have significance. It's God that set the boundaries for the nations. It's God that is, the nations exist because of God. That's why. Um, we have a responsibility, don't we, to pray for those that are in places of authority. And some of our leaders, I, pray, I, I, I confess this week, God, I know that uh, I am supposed to pray for our president. Right now, I want to pray about him, not so much for him. You know what I mean? But I'm supposed to pray for those that are in places of authority. That's what the Bible says. And so we have a responsibility. And those that are set up in these places of responsibility, I mean, somebody says, boy, this is a terrible time. How are we supposed to pray for our country? You know, Peter wrote what he wrote about government. And Paul wrote while he wrote, while Peter wrote, Nero was the dominant leader. They were under the authority of Rome. And he was saying, pray for them. And, and so the nations has significance because God established them and God set up authority over the nations and such as that, the rulers and those that have these places of responsibility. I don't want to say too much because I want to address some of that tonight. But, but nonetheless, God did. The nations are significant. They are important. They are many. They gather together. God forgive us for having the United Nations on our soil but they gather together at the United Nations or they gather together in some of their big meetings around the world in Geneva or wherever it might be and all the heads of state come together and it's a very significant event. But not as significant as they think it is because God's, look at me, not above the nations. He's high above the nations. He is high above all the nations. <laughs> um, Okay, let's borrow from Isaiah. We don't have time to turn there, but you can read it yourself sometime. Mark down in your margin there, Isaiah 40. And here's what he said um, about the nations. He said, the, high, the Lord is high above the nations. And he said, the nations to him are as a drop of a bucket. The nations to him are as a drop of a bucket. Now, what do you think about that? A drop of a bucket. Huh. Now, I grew up on a farm carrying milk buckets. We milked, uh, well, actually, we milked, we milked three cows for our family. I told our kids 30, but anyway, that's what you tell your kids and grandkids. But it was three. I know there's a three in it there, but it was three, not 30. So I, I'm, but I carried milk buckets. I know what one squirt of milk in a milk bucket looks like. Three-gallon bucket, not much. It's not much. I've carried slop buckets, water buckets. We didn't have running water. 
and I had to carry water to water mom's garden, certain plants in the middle of summer when it's hot and dry, and here I am when it's 103 or 4 degrees, and now the heat index makes it even worse, 112 or something like that. And you think my mother is saying, wait till it gets cool, Sammy. Oh, no, no, get out there, water the plants. And I'm carrying five-gallon buckets. My arms are about that big around right there. And I'm carrying these buckets. I know what a drop of water looks like in a five-gallon bucket. I know what it looks like if you take one drop out of a full bucket of water. You hardly notice it. And you know what, listen to this, you know what God says? Uh, he revealed this to Isaiah to remind the people that to God, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. Somebody said, well, then the nations aren't very important, are they? No, 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 you're getting it backwards. Sure, the nations have significance, only because God gave them significance, but compared to God, there's a drop as a bucket. It's not to show the littleness or the insignificance of the nations. The idea is to show the greatness of God. The clouds uh, are the dust of His feet, is what the Scripture says. <laughs> so how great is God? Well, the clouds are like the dust under His feet. Uh, Heaven is his throne, the earth is his what? Footstool. And the nations are as a drop of bucket. And listen to this, he goes on to show further the need for humility when he says the nations to him are as nothing. But he didn't quit there. He went on and said they are less than nothing. I don't know how something becomes less than nothing. I guess only when you compare it to God. Is everybody with me here? when you put it in relationship to God. See, what he's doing is, he is saying, the Lord is high and lofty. All this casual attitude about God, all the ways that people use the name of God, all the jokes about God, all this nonsense about God's like us, only bigger, is just that. Nonsense. It's blasphemous. The youth camp speaker said to the young people uh, while he is trying so hard to relate to them by his attire and his looks and everything to make sure he realizes I'm one of you to make sure he can relate. Wear a coat and a tie and a suit. You just alienate people. Oh yeah, that's terrible. But so let's be cool. And so he says to the young people at youth camp, People, I want to tell you, he said, young people, God is cool. God is so cool. I want you to look at your neighbor and just say, God is cool. And here's 300, 400 young people sitting there turning to each other saying, God is cool. God is cool. And they're laughing and having a good time. God is cool. And I would like to say, no, no. That's exactly what we want, don't, don't want. That's exactly what we don't want them to think. God is not cool. I mean, what do you mean by cool? Like a star athlete or a rock star or a movie star or somebody like that so cool that set the trends and the way people dress and think and look and everything? That's cool? God is that? Oh, no. No. Now, he did reveal himself to be a consuming fire, which is probably different than cool, wouldn't you think? And what God reveals about Himself is how we're supposed to think about God. Let, let me run that by one more time. 
What God reveals about Himself is how we are supposed to think about God. And how did God reveal Himself? He revealed Himself as the high and lofty one, that He is high above the nations. Watch this. His glory is above the heavens. I don't have time to elaborate on that. But think about it. And, and think about as you look at a clear night and imagine the nature of outer space. And then with all the technology, the problem they're having is the farther they look, the farther there is to look. And the majesty and the glory of the heavens. And he says, I am high above the heavens, above the nations, and his glory above the heavens. Think about it. He's so high and lofty. He goes on in verse number 5 and asks the question, Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? Somebody says, well, I mean, I mean, how are we supposed to comprehend that? Well, we will only comprehend so much because he is the incomprehensible God. In these minds, finite as they are, we're going to fully comprehend the infinite? No, we're not. So God is so high and lofty that when we think the highest that we think, and by the way, our thoughts of Him ought to be ever elevated. Are you listening to this? Our thoughts of God ought to continually elevate. I got saved when I was six and I'm now 75. Let's get that out of the way so we don't have to talk about it anymore. I'm 75 years old, so I've been saved for 69 years. And I can tell you right now, I mentioned about some of the issues and the trials of the year, and it did something for my own life. It drove me to my knees in a whole, uh, another level. I can just tell you right now, the Lord's more precious to me, more wonderful to me. The Word of God is more blessed to me than it's ever been in my life. And if I live to be 95, my mom did. God answered uncles that did. My wife's dad did. If I live to be 95 and have soundness of mind. My wife said the possibility that's not looking so good. But anyway, <laughs> if I do, then my thoughts of God should still be going this way. Isn't that right? Because you can live five lifetimes. You won't exhaust everything that can be known about the eternal God. No, no, no. And our thoughts of him ought to go higher and higher and higher and higher. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high? Well, that's an easy one to answer. No one is like unto God. Well, you see, the way I've always looked at God is get ready to hear something real dumb. Somebody said, that's disrespectful. It's also dumb. For somebody to try to think they can come up with the right notion of God by putting their brain in gear or by listening to some homespun philosophy of great-grandpa who used to say this about God. I always liked what he said about God. If great-grandpa didn't say what God said about himself, then great-grandpa has fallen way short of who God really is. Everybody with me here? Yeah, he's high. How high is he? Look at verse 6. This is the verse that got me by the throat and wouldn't let me go. Who humbleth himself to behold 
the things that are in heaven and in the earth. Can I have your attention? God is so high and lofty above his creation that he must humble himself to even behold what he made. If we're serious about God, we look at what he made and say, oh, glory to God. When you look at the heavens, when you look at that sunset, when you look at the exposure in the evening of a full moon, isn't that awesome? Somebody says, well, you're kind of childish, aren't you impressed by all those things? Yeah, I hope I die that way. Still impressed by a starry night. Still impressed by a sunset. Still impressed by the beauty of the mountains. Still impressed by the plains of Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. Still impressed by the marvelous things we're able to see. Still impressed by taking that little baby or grandbaby or now great-grandbaby and marveling at the creative work of God. And what we see that God made is to lift our hearts. If we're serious about our walk with God, what we see about the wonders of God's creation, we look at it and lift our hearts to God. It lifts us up. I stood in the, I've been there three times in the Berkshire Mountains in western Massachusetts for revival meetings and everything, right there at the right time, October 14th and 15th, when those mountains in uh, eastern, uh, western Massachusetts and western Connecticut and then the White Mountains in New York. What are those mountains that go up in Vermont? Anyway, those and when the colors just explode, they just explode. No artist, no picture, nothing can take the place of seeing the early morning sun burn away the mist and those colors just exploding. And I, I mean, I stood there in one place and just started weeping. I couldn't help it. I just started crying. I said, oh, God, this is so amazing. So amazing. And God says, son, what you see that I do that makes you lift your heart to me, I humble myself to even behold it. That's how high he is above his creation. I don't think cool is the right word, do you? He's so high above his creation. And this came to my soul. If he must humble himself to look at what he made, what kind of humility did it take for him to come here in the flesh and walk among us? The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. What kind of humility did it take for him to come here and walk among us, listen, and live and die for our sin? Think about that. And that's how the psalm ends, how he picks up the poor out of the dust, out of the dunghill, the hopeless. The people that are low and sunk low and under the heavy burden, he picks them up 
and make something of our lives of eternal value. Think about that. The humility to even look at what he made. But he didn't just make it and look at it. He came here in the flesh to pay for our sins. What can you say? I'll tell you about the only thing to say. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let's quote, close. We have time. Isaiah 57. I want to show you this. Many of you know it. Isaiah 57, 15. If you find it, let's read it out loud together, shall we? This is, and I'm done. Isaiah 57, 15. Look at this. Are you there? Now let's read it in unison. Follow my pace and let's read this in unison. Ready? For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Praise ye the Lord. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.